Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. What's up, church? Man, can I be honest? These first two weeks have been so good already. That first week where we understood that we're promised love and joy from our Heavenly Father. is so amazing. It's so powerful if we lean into that truth. But the second week where we look at understanding how we pursue peace, patience, and kindness. Listen, when the lady said, what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of the condition of our hearts, I was like, ooh, you better preach like that. Ooh, that was so, so good. I've been chewing on that all week. The things that come out of our mouth is, are a reflection of what's really, really going on on the inside. But today, as we jump into the next two fruits, I want to start out with a question. And it might sound interesting at first, but as we get into it, you'll understand why I'm asking you this. But look at this question on the screen. What does it really mean to be good? Like, isn't good kind of a relative term? It's relative to where you are in life and what's going on around you. It's, it seems to be this moving target, yet everyone in life wants to be a good person. They want to do good things. But what does good actually look like? And we're going to be talking about that a little bit today. But as we jump into it, I think about it with our kids. I know for our kids, sometimes good means eating all of the food that's on your plate. Some days, good is cleaning up after yourself and picking up your toys and putting them in the right place. But sometimes good, the, the, the bar gets lowered a little bit. Like good sometimes is, hey, please don't punch each other in the face while you're arguing. Like good kids don't do that, right? And sometimes we lower it even Further, on those days that were absolutely exhausted, good could mean, listen, as long as you let daddy just close his eyes for 15 minutes, you can quietly destroy the room that you're in. It's totally good. Just please give me 15 minutes to just recharge the batteries before I go crazy, right? Like, good is always this moving relative thing. It, and I, I know they have to be confused. That the finish line for being good is consistently moving depending on the day. Sometimes, guys, let's just be real, parents, especially of those uh, around the age that our kids are, sometimes the finish line moves by the hour, right? Good just seems to be this moving target. And I wonder if you can relate to that. Because you ever had a moment in your life where you just felt like you're trying to be this good person, but the finish line was moved on you. Like you're trying to be a good person. You're trying to be a good follower of Jesus. You're trying to be a good husband. You're trying to be a good wife. You're trying to be a good parent. And you think that you're doing some good things. But then when you look at what other people are doing, your good doesn't seem to measure up. Like guys, 
like you feel like you're putting in a whole lot of effort into your marriage and into your relationship and you feel like things are going really good. And then you find out that your neighbor for their anniversary, he's taking his wife to Hawaii and they're doing helicopter tours and they're doing surf lessons with Kelly Slater. And you're like, I bought her a card for the first time in three years. Like I thought I was doing good here, right? Doing good is this pursuit for all of us, but there's an important truth that we need to understand. And, and as we jump back into our anchor verse in Galatians, I really want you to understand the overarching, the big idea of what we're talking about today, because I want it to be the lens and the window that you see all of the, the rest of our conversation today through understanding this about goodness and faithfulness. Check this out on the screen. Goodness and faithfulness are things we become. It's far more about the becoming than it is about the doing. It's far more about who we're being shaped into, how we allow God's goodness and God's faithfulness to shape who we're becoming more than it is about the good that we're trying to do. Because we know plenty of people who are trying to do good things, but as we'll see as we dive into this a little bit deeper, doing good doesn't actually generate always the goodness and the faithfulness that we hoped it would do. Today is all about understanding how we become more than we focus in on what we do. So as we jump back into our scripture in Galatians 5:22. I want to read to you from the Passion Translation because I believe it, it just gives us a different angle to look at. And so let's read this starting in verse 22, Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, and instead of goodness, I like how it says it here, a life full of virtue. Instead of faithfulness, it says faith that prevails. Gentleness of the heart and the strength of spirit. Never set the law above these things for they are meant to be limitless. Again, you have to understand the context in which Paul is writing this. He's writing to, to Jewish believers. He's writing to these people who are trying to live out these laws that they got from the Old Testament that they that came down from Moses. And Paul is telling them, hey guys, listen, the, I understand what you're trying to accomplish with the law and you're trying to obey all the rules. You're trying to do all of the right things, but understand that your connection to God, that relationship with him, the Holy Spirit within you produces these kinds of fruit, these virtues. And from these things, it's so much greater than even the law that you're trying to do all the right things. As you allow God to shape you, these are the things you are becoming. I love that. It's so, so good. So let's talk about goodness. You'll see it here on the screen. I love how this translation said it. Goodness is a life full of virtue, a life full of virtue. You see, when we're able to separate goodness from just what we do, I think it really helps clear up some things. Look at this definition. Virtue is behavior showing high moral standards. 
it's it's more than just the behavior but it speaks back to something deeper and if you've been around here for any amount of time you know that i've said this phrase before and i believe it's so true here one of the ways look at this on the screen that we see this lived out is that we live by principles not by pressure we live by principles not by pressure the, a life of virtue is marked by the principles that are established within us from our relationship with god and i think about this this example like if you have an empty coke can the pressure from the outside is going to shape and mold and mangle and push. And honestly, it has the potential to change the, the way that you're going to use that Coke can. But when the Coke can is full, you can't just press and squeeze and, and change its shape and change how it looks. You may be able to dent it a little bit, but there's so much more pressure from the inside pushing out than the pressure from the outside pushing in. And I believe that's what happens in our life when, when our lives are marked by the values and the principles that we live by, when God is filling us from the inside out, when those principles are what we build our lives and, and make our decisions and the way that we communicate with one another and the way that we care for one another, when those principles are filling our lives, the pressure from the outside doesn't have the same effect. It doesn't have the same effect. Another way of saying that is we live by virtues, not by urgency. Paul is telling the, the people who are reading this letter, listen, this is these are the virtues that you want to produce out of your life. These are the virtues that matter. These are the things that will there's so much greater than the law. It's so much greater than the rules and regulations. If we live out these virtues, these nine virtues, it will absolutely change everything around us. But what happens is sometimes the things that we consider a virtue fall to the back burner because whatever is urgent, whatever seems to garner the most attention, whatever's distracting us in the moment, it, it helps pull us away from those virtues that truly matter in our lives. And so many times what happens is whatever is urgent becomes the most important thing in our life. But have you ever noticed that whenever you make a decision, when you feel rushed, when you feel urgent, more times than not, it's not always the right decision, right? Like making decisions on the fly when it comes to really important aspects of our life, it's, it's not a really good habit to get into. I know some of you believe that you thrive in the chaos. You love living on the edge. Sure, okay. But you have to be honest enough to say that if you had more time, if you leaned into those virtues, if you leaned into those principles instead of allowing the pressure or the urgency of the moment to distract you, you probably would have fewer regrets. Look at the last way that we can say this, that we are building our character, not ensuring our comfort. Some of you heard that and you're like, no, I'm, I'm good. I want to chill in my sweatpants and just relax and just, I, I enjoy the comforts of life. And we all do. 
But somewhere along the way, we misunderstood Jesus. When we look at his life, when we look at his words, when we look at his teaching, Jesus never promised us comfort. He promised we'd go on one crazy adventure, but with that would be ups and downs. There'd be triumphs and valleys. There would be moments where we felt like we had it all and we were able to praise him, but there'd also be moments where we, we had, felt like we had nothing at all, and still in those moments we choose to praise him, right? Like there, There's this adventure that we're being invited to, but more than all of that, we're promised that there's going to be discomfort. And I don't mean to burst the little Christian bubble here, but like more times than not, we're going to experience discomfort. Not necessarily in a bad way, but Jesus is not wanting us to stay in a comfort zone. Jesus is calling us to lean on him. We, I wrote down this, we can't ask for purpose and then stay in our comfort zone. We, we can't say, Jesus, I wanna have meaning, I wanna have purpose, I wanna make a difference, I wanna have value, I wanna change the world, but I wanna do it in my sweatpants and I never wanna leave the sofa. And Jesus is like, well, that's real cute, but that isn't how it works, right? If we want purpose, we want value, we wanna see something happen in and through our lives, usually that comes from getting out of our comfort zone and learning and growing through the discomfort. Our oldest daughter, Brooklyn, she's seven and, and she's growing like crazy. But she's also going through a season where she's starting to have growing pains. And, and so she'll be playing outside or she'll go somewhere and she's like, Daddy, my legs are getting tired and, and they kind of hurt. Like they, they just, I don't know, it's like there's a pain in there. And I'm like, baby, that's, that's actually growing pains. It's like your bones are growing and your muscles are growing and, and it's actually making you taller. Isn't that so cool? And she's like, no, it just hurts. It doesn't feel good. I don't, I don't care about the growing part. I just, it doesn't feel good. Why is this happening? Like, let's figure out how to make it go away. And I wonder how many times we do that same thing with God, where we're feeling that stretching, we're feeling that pulling, we're feeling that discomfort that he wants to use to grow us and shape our character. And we're going, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't sign up for that. I thought this was gonna be easy and comfortable, God. What are you doing? We have to understand that he wants to shape our character, not ensure our comfort. Jesus made it abundantly clear in our pursuit of doing good, it's not gonna hit the mark that we think it would. As a matter of fact, one of his most famous teachings is, is found on the Sermon on the Mount, and it's in Matthew 5 and 6. And, and honestly, as you read it and you understand the context of who he's talking to, it could almost be a little depressing because the group that he was speaking to, just like Paul was writing to, this was Jewish people who were, they're trying to live out these 600 plus laws that came down through Moses back in, in Genesis. And they're trying to live these all out and there's all these rules and there's all these regulations. A certain way you gotta do this and do that. And if you think that there's rules in Christianity now, bro, you don't even know. It was a whole different ball game with the Jewish people were trying to live out and, and, and do. And so Jesus, starts to blow their mind in, in verse 21 and 22. He says, listen, the law says don't murder, but I tell you, if you have anger in your heart towards someone, 
if you're name calling, if you're bashing someone, if, if you're cursing someone, you're in line for judgment. It's like, wait, are you, are you saying these things are like one in one? Like, but I didn't kill anybody. Verse 23 and 24, he says, listen, matter of fact, when you're bringing your sacrifice, when you're coming to the temple and you're offering up the, your burnt sacrifice to get in right standing with the Lord, but you have beef and you have issue with one of your friends, stop worshiping and go and fix that before you come back. And it's like, wait, you're literally saying you want me to stop worshiping, stop doing the thing that is supposed to make me in right standing with God and go and fix this with my brother? to go and fix this with my sister, to go fix this with my neighbor, and then come back? D Jesus, that's, that sounds kind of crazy. Verse 27 and 28, he says, you've heard the law says, don't commit adultery, but I tell you, if you even have lust in your heart towards a woman, you're equally as in line for judgment as the one who commits adultery. And it's like, I didn't do anything. I just looked, Jesus. I'm just looking. I mean, I may have thought a few thoughts, but I'm not saying that I did anything. Jesus is like, it's more than that. Verse 38 and 39 in their culture, it was it was pretty regular for there to be revenge. It was this idea of an eye for an eye. If a neighbor gouged out your eye, well, then you had the right by law to go and gouge out his eye. And it's like, it, basically gave you the opportunity by law to take revenge yourself. And Jesus goes, you've heard an eye for an eye, but I say, if someone strikes you on the face, turn and let them hit the other cheek. Matter of fact, what I want you to do is, is I want you to love your enemy. I want you to pray for those who persecute you. And again, you've got to under, understand the context in which all of this is written. The Jewish people are, have been taken over by the Roman Empire. They are basically not quite slaves, but they, are, they have to respond and pay taxes and, and obey the rules of this foreign government. And Jesus is going, yeah, I understand all that. I want you to love your enemy and I want you to pray for those who persecute you. We read these words and we're like, oh, I, I, I see what you're saying there, Jesus. But in the moment, they, that had to be an absolute gut punch to them. For them to, to see, wait a minute, all of these things that we're doing, you're saying that it's still not enough? The good that we're trying to do, the obedience to the law that we're trying to do, you're saying that's still, that in and of itself should be like, Oh, we should throw a party because I got all 600 rules right. You're telling me that's still not even good enough. And Jesus was trying to make a point. He was trying to make it clear to them. You're not going to be able to, moving forward, you're not going to be able to behave yourself into right standing with God. It's not your behavior. It's your dependence and your relationship with him. Look at this truth. True goodness cannot be found outside of a relationship with Jesus. 
it can't be found. Listen, we all know people who don't have a relationship with Jesus that do good things and they do awesome things and they take care of people and they give money to things and all of those things are valuable and they're beautiful and we'll never minimize that. But if it means having an internal, eternal and powerful, deeper thing than just solving something here on earth, it, it's something that will last forever, Nothing can happen outside of the relationship with Jesus. We can do all the good in the world that we want, but we can't behave ourselves into right relationship with God. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We're made to surrender ourselves, surrender our lives to the Lord, and then everything that we're doing allows us to live out the good that we're becoming. Some of you are desperately trying to do the right thing. And Jesus is challenging you today saying, it's not about that. It's about who you're becoming. Are you willing to surrender your life and become more like me? So what about faithfulness? Look at this on your screen. I love how the scripture said it. Faithfulness is faith that prevails. Faith that prevails. Look at these words in, in James chapter one. They're so important for us to understand faith and faithfulness and, and how we actually live that out. Starting in verse three. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there's nothing missing and nothing lacking. If you, if you have someone to underline that, that is, that is so important. As your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there's nothing missing, nothing lacking. And if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. So beautiful. Verse six, just make sure you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you will receive. For the ambivalent person believes one minute and then doubts the next. Being undecided makes you become like the rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next, verse seven. When you're half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Isn't that good? Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? Skip ahead to verse 12. If your faith remains strong, even while surrounded by life's difficulties, you will continue to experience the untold blessings of God. True happiness comes as you pass the test with faith and receive the victorious crown of life promised to every lover of God. Look at this on the screen. Faithfulness is forged in and through your lowest moments. Faithfulness is forged in and through your lowest moments. Another way of saying that is, it's faithfulness is proven through something. 
again, it's not just do, trying, I, I'm doing something that a faithful person would do. No, no, no. It's faithfulness through something. I was reminded of that last weekend. I got to see my one of my little cousins get married, and she's really like as close to a sister that I have. We, we have just a really, really close relationship. And it's always so beautiful getting to go to a wedding and just being reminded of those vows, reminded of the words that we communicate to one another when we get married, words that you're familiar with in, in sickness and in health, in rich or poor, in success or failure, in weakness and in strength. You see, it's easy to stay faithful when everything's all good. It's easy to stay faithful when bellies are full and bank accounts are in the black. But it's a whole different story when there's faithfulness through our lowest moments. Faithfulness in those seasons where there is sickness. Faithfulness in those seasons when there's weakness. Faithfulness in those seasons where there's failure, where there's no money left at the end of the month. Faithfulness in and through something is true faithfulness. You see, if we're honest, for many of us, we don't really look at our relationship with God like a, a real relationship. Like it's, we want it to be that, but many of us treat it as if it's a religion. Like we're just trying to do the right things. We're just trying to be the right person and not understanding that this is a legitimate relationship. The God of creation wants to speak to you through his word. He wants to speak into your life. He wants to be a part of everything in your life. He wants you to be intimately in relationship. But what we do many times is that we just, we relegate it to, well, I don't know where else to go. I've gotten myself in trouble. I've hit rock. I hit rock bottom. I'm just. I don't. I don't know what else to do. So I guess I'll pray. And we become those people who only show up when we need something, but we never actually give anything back. There's a word for that. It's called an acquaintance. The definition says this, a person one knows slightly, but who is not a close friend. Let me help you understand something, guys. Faithfulness in your relationship with God is not obeying all of the perceived rules. Faithfulness to God is when you're in a relationship with him, that you guys have interaction, that that he's a part of your everyday life, that every decision that you make, you're, you're involving him in the conversation, right? Like Lauren and I, she, she was just able to change some of her job situation and she and I are now working in the same office for the first time in like over two years. And we're having to readjust like I'm used to working in the office by myself because we plan the church and I'm, I'm the only person that really like works at the church. And so like I'm sitting there and I'm all in my head and she's like, hello, are we going to put some music on? Are we going to do something like, you know, I'm here now and, and we've had to adjust. And I wonder how many of you, you never adjust. I wonder how many 
times God is knocking on the door of your heart. He's sitting across the room from you at his desk going, psst, hey, like, I'm here. You know that, right? Like, we should connect with each other. We should have a conversation. We should, like, I, I want to connect with you deeper. And we just relegate him to a list of do's and don'ts and, and you trying to please him by behaving your way into the relationship. And it just doesn't work. Look at this truth on the screen. The most important relationship in your life is with your heavenly father. It's more important than your relationship with your spouse. It's more important than your relationship with your kids. It's more important than your relationship with your family. It's more important than the relationship with you and your boss. It's more important than your relationship with you and your closest friends. It's more important than any relationship in your life. And I know that feels uncomfortable to some of you, but I'm just telling you, you were created for relationship with God. The rest of it is a bonus because he's a good and a loving father. When your relationship with God is in the right place, when it's in right standing, when you are connected, every other relationship in your life will absolutely change for the better. When you're connected with God, you will be the best wife you've ever been. When you're connected with God, you will be the best husband you've ever been, the best father, the best mother, the best friend you've ever been when you will connect and have faithfulness with your heavenly father. Proverbs 16, one says it this way. Go ahead, go ahead and make all the plans you want, but it's the Lord who will ultimately direct your steps. We're all in love with our own opinions, convinced they're correct, but the Lord is in the midst of us. Look at this, don't miss this. Testing and probing our every motive. Before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not in yourself. Then every plan you will make will succeed. The Lord works everything together to accomplish his purpose. What a promise. I love that the author says that the Lord is testing and probing our motives, not our actions, our motives. What's really going on on the inside? James said it to us that testing produces endurance. In other words, it produces faithfulness. And that endurance, that faithfulness, that steadfastness leads to perfection being released into our lives. That word release just struck me this week. It just, I couldn't get the imagery out of my head. Have you, have you ever seen a river that's just like blocked up? It's, it's completely backed up and, and right in front of it is just this trickle that's coming down, but behind it is this raging body of water that's pressing up against that wall. It's pressing up against that blockage and you can just see the pressure that's there. And when it finally is broken and there's finally this release, it's this rushing, overwhelming flood that goes in and through that land. And as I was writing this message, I just felt like the Lord spoke to me so clearly that some of you, God is desperately waiting to release into your life. He's desperate that the 
blessings, the dreams that you've been praying, the, those, those prayers that you've been praying for, that validation that you've needed to, to feed that insecurity that's going on, all of these things that you are desperately looking for, the Lord is saying, I want to release them into your life, but it requires surrender. It requires faithfulness, not faithfulness in trying to just do the things, but faithfulness in your relationship to him. Look at this truth. You cannot experience God's release without surrendering yourself to him. It doesn't work. You're not going to find the goodness and the faithfulness without the surrender. I want to close with this before we pray because I, I experienced this firsthand uh, last week. I had to go to Fresno for some business meetings and at the end of eight hours of a business meeting, at the end of the night, there would be these worship services and the worship services would go for a really long time. So if you think today is long, you don't even have a clue, boo-boo. I'm just letting you know I was in church for some long services. <laughs> and I was helping out with some media stuff and doing some different things. And at the end, there was an opportunity where you could come up to the altar and, and pray. And uh, just because of COVID, no one was like laying hands on anybody or anything like that. They were just kind of giving a, a space to be able to come and pray. And so I did, you know, I was, I was done with kind of my responsibilities for the moment. And, and so I went up to the front and I was just praying, guys, just honestly. There's, there's some big things that are ahead for us as a church. And, and I was just praying, hey, God, like, you know what we've been through over the, the past year. You know what we've been walking through and, and dealing with. Like, God, I, I need a fresh touch. Like, I need a fresh anointing. I need I need a fresh renewal of my strength because I can't move forward into the future with the, the same old thing that I've had before. I need something from you today. And so I'm just minding my own business and I'm praying and I'm having this moment. And a friend of mine uh, that I know from another part of the state, God led him to come and pray for me. And, and I'm just sitting there with my hands raised, my eyes closed, and and I felt a hand come on my chest and on my back. And this guy just started to pray the exact words that were in my heart. And as he prayed, as he, he prayed for my pain, my grief, my anxiety, my stress, my fears, as he started to just pray over those exactly how the Lord was leading him. Guys, I just broke. I absolutely broke. I bent, I was bent over, bawling my eyes out, tears and snot and just all, just weeping, weeping. And I just released it. I just released it all to the Lord and he met me right there in my moment of release in my moment of weakness in my in my moment where i said god okay i give i give i can't do it anymore i i've i've tried to do it in my own strength i i just desperately need you and as i released he moved he renewed my strength he gave me exactly what i needed 
And guys, some of you right now, you've been holding on so tight, trying to hold it all back, trying to do good things and try to behave your way into right standing with God and trying to be faithful, but not understanding what it really means to truly be in relationship with God. You've been trying so desperately to do that and you just feel this weight on your chest and it's just pressing and it's just, you can't even get a deep breath because it's just holding you back. And God's saying, release it to me so that I can release my perfection into you. So I can release what you so desperately need into your life. And your challenge today as we get ready to pray is, what do you need to release in order to experience God's goodness and faithfulness? What are you holding back that if you just release it to him, he will respond back with exactly what you need? Come on, let's pray right now. I feel his presence. God, I pray right now for the person who's hearing this message that they just feel that weight on their chest. They just feel it deep in their bones. They feel like they just, whew, there's just this shallow breathing. They can't take that deep breath because they've, they've just got so much weight on it and they're afraid if they try to take a deep breath, they would just break them. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you give them the courage to just release it right now in this moment, that they would release it to you and allow you to do what you can do. That as we're trying to, to live out and become this goodness and this faithfulness that you are to us, God, that there's no way we can do it outside of a relationship with you. So God, right now I pray with boldness and with confidence that the people who are hearing this message, that they are the exact right people who needed to hear it, that you would speak to them right where they are. You would give them the courage to make the decision, to trust you, to believe in you, to surrender it all, to release it all. And when you do that, when they do that, God, you will release back into their lives so much greater than they could ever imagine. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray that this week would be marked by the way we surrender ourselves to you. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.